So the book of Romans has been called, um, one, one theologian, Gordon Feast, said that it is uh, the most um, important book in the Bible and maybe the most important letter in all of civilization. Um, one person has called it the diamond of the Bible, and if the Romans is the diamond, then chapter eight is the sparkle of the diamond. Um, one person said that it is the cornerstone. Um, one person, uh, one theologian I read said that the book of Romans is, if, uh, if the Bible is the most important book in all of history and civilization, which it is, um, Romans is the most important book and chapter eight is the most important chapter. Um, so you can see it, it carries a lot of weight. It's really, really important. So we're gonna, that's why we're going to be diving in. I think it'll help you in, in your journey of faith. So this won't feel just like a classroom, but I want to invite you to my classroom, okay? Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. How many of you know that whenever we're little, we spend a lot of time pretending? Come on, are y'all with me? Like, you spend a lot of time pretending. You play pretend, right? I, I walk in, my five-year-old Abigail, walk into her room and um, somebody gifted her uh, enough toys to fill her bedroom, uh, horses and dolls and all the kinds of things. And she has quiet time every day that she's home, not at school, and she plays pretend. So her dolls are doing things and she plays pretend. My little three-year-old Jonas, he plays pretend. He was playing pretend the other day. You may have saw this on Tammy's uh, Insta stories, but I had to show it to you. So he was playing pretend and, uh, and this is his pretend. Are y'all ready? This, this is gonna be the cutest thing you see all day. What did you find? A sword? <laughs> yes. What were you doing with that sword? Fight the dinosaur and he was fighting it and he was fighting me too. Now for my, where my lesson? Oh, you learned your lesson? Yep. And say I am Jonas. If you, if you, if, if you watch these videos, was more and Mama and Jonas and and Owen and Faithy if if you shake us you can hang out with us. Bye. <laughs> you can hang out with us. Bye. So whatever he had in his hand, I don't know what it was, but it was a sword that he was fighting a dinosaur with. Are y'all with me? I'm not exactly sure what that was in his hand. Um, but you play pretend, right? When you're younger, you, everything, you have, if you have a good imagination, right? Little sticks become swords and, and dinosaurs show up in your room. But here's what I've noticed about us is that we move from pretend as we grow older to performance. And that we we begin to perform and, and some of it we have to, right? You have to perform in school. Um, if you have a job, if you don't perform, you shouldn't keep the job. Are you with me? Like you're getting paid to, are y'all with me? You're getting paid to perform. And here's my concern is this, is that we take pretending and performing into our walk with God. And so we begin to think, well, uh, okay, I've, I've prayed some prayer and I accepted Christ. And, and so now I've got to begin to pretend. I got to pretend like I'm a Christian and I got to, and we, I got to pretend like I'm, I'm living this thing out. And, and the problem is, is there is this tension on the inside of us where we're like, uh, I know that I'm not living up to who I'm supposed to be, but I'm going to pretend. So I'm going to come to church on Sunday. I'm going to put a smile on my face and we'll say, I'm great. God bless you. Everything's wonderful. I'm going to call people brother and sister, brother so-and-so. Yeah. And we're like, we're, 
And so we begin to pretend or we perform. And so we live on the performance side of faith going, well, if I just do good enough things and if I just act good enough and if I just am good enough, and so I'll just perform my way to God's good graces. And both of those will frustrate you. And both of those will leave you feeling like, I don't even know if I wanna do this Christian thing. Pretending and performing are not what God intended for you when you said yes to Jesus. If you're with me, can I get a better amen? And so Romans chapter eight lets us know in the first 11 verses we're gonna look at today, how that we don't have to pretend and we don't have to perform, that there's a better way to live. There is a third option. And I wanna show you that today, that there's a better way in this book of Romans. Now, I, I wanna give you a little, chapter one through seven is Paul's defense and his case building that we need the gospel. And the gospel, the word gospel simply means good news. And the good news is this, is that in ourselves and on our own, we are desperately lost in sin. Are you with me? As I say every week, that's not a condemning statement, it's the reality of the human condition. That you don't have to look very far to know that we are not mistakers who make mistakes, we are sinners who sin, and we are desperately in need of the gift of the gospel, that Jesus died on the cross, that his shed blood, cleanses our sin and gives us right standing with God. And so Paul builds this case for the first seven chapters. Matter of fact, in the Harvard Law School, you used to have to read the defense that Paul gave for the gospel because he built his case brick by brick so well. I'm, I'm guessing Harvard doesn't use Romans anymore. <laughs> Maybe they should go back to it. And then we get to chapter eight, and this is where we're gonna dive in today. Are you with me? Say amen. If you're a note taker, I'm gonna give you some things to write down. If not, I'm still gonna give you some things to write down. I'm gonna give you four thoughts from the first 11 chapters. Obviously, this is an, an exhaustive look, but, but four thoughts that will help you get out of the performance and the pretending trap. Number one is this. I want you to know that your debt is paid in full. You've got to understand that. This is a big deal. Because if not, you'll continue to pretend to kind of pay a debt that you think you owe, or you'll try to perform to pay a debt that you think you owe. But you need to understand my debt is paid in full. Come on, somebody. That's really good news. Here's why that, here, here let, me, let me show you. Romans chapter eight, verse one. It says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Now, here's why this is such good news and why you need to understand it's a big deal that your debt has been paid in full is because you had a massive debt that you, it was impossible for you to pay on your own. You had a debt that sin brought into your life. We are all in, the word is theologically is imputed with sin. In other words, we come out of the womb with it. We come out of the womb wanting to roll our eyes, wanting to talk back, come on somebody. We come out of the womb wanting to lie. We come out of the womb with pride. We come out of the womb with anger. We, nobody has to teach you that. Nobody had to instruct you on that. You didn't have to go to a classroom. You didn't have to go to sin 101. No, you just came into the world and there you were, sin and all. Like pretty little baby, sinner. Are y'all with me? Pastor, can you be more encouraging? Okay, here's the encouraging word. You're a sinner. Yeah. And you came out of the womb with sin. Yeah. 
Are you with me? And so because of that, you and I had a debt that was impossible for us to pay. We had no way to, the big word is atone for our sin or make right for our sin. We had no way to get in right standing with God. It was impossible. It doesn't matter how much good works you do. It doesn't matter how much you attended church. It doesn't matter how many songs you sang in worship. It doesn't matter if you had a whole list of perfect attendance Sunday school pins at your little Baptist church. It doesn't matter if if you got baptized, confirmed, had communion, went to class, you had a debt you could not pay and you had no way of making atonement for your sin. You were hopeless. I, why, why, are you, why are you starting so hard here? Because you don't understand grace until you understand the depth of sin in your life. You've got to get a real good understanding that I was without hope, that I had no way back to God, that there's nothing in myself. The Bible said, nothing in my hands I bring, but simply to the cross of Jesus. Are y'all with me? And so whenever Paul gets to Romans chapter eight, verse one, because at the end of chapter seven, he was saying, the good that I wanna do, I don't do. And what I don't wanna do, I find myself doing. I don't know if you've ever been there where you're like, I don't wanna act like this, but I act like a fool sometimes. I don't wanna respond in anger, but sometimes I respond in anger. I wanna be a good Christian, but sometimes I cuss. I'm not saying I cuss, I'm saying that. <laughs> I wanna love people, but sometimes I wanna have a list of who can't enter the building. And then he said, oh, wretched man. This is the end of chapter seven, go read it. He says, oh, wretched man, who can save me from this sin and this death? And then it's like Paul got this like, this thing rose up in him that remembered. And we flipped the page to chapter eight, verse one, and he goes, oh, but I remember. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The Christian life does have this tension of Jesus says I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I'm delivered, but sometimes I don't feel like I am. And we live in this tension of yes, but not yet of now, but it is to come. Are you following me? And so he says there is no condemnation. The word condemnation is a legal term that means you owe something. And some of us live our life thinking that we have to repay Jesus for what he did on the cross for us. And so we're living from a place of performance. Let me ask you this, when Jesus died on the cross, which sins did he die for that you had committed? You had not committed any sin yet because you had not been born yet. So he died once for all of our sin, meaning not just your past sin. Some of us think when we come to Jesus and we pray, we lift our hand and then we pray at the end of a service and we think, all right, that covered from, from today back. I'm clear from today back. And then we leave the building and we think, oh Lord, I just blew it again and I've already sinned, so what about these? No, he died for our sins, past, present, and future. 
Paul said, things I haven't even thought about doing, there is no condemnation for those, listen to me though, those who are in Christ. So this doesn't apply to the unbeliever. This doesn't apply to the person that hasn't yet accepted Jesus. There is, for a matter of fact, yes, there is condemnation for those who are not in Christ. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you don't have to live your life performing to get God to like you or get God to be pleased with you. There's no condemnation. I don't have to pretend. And so if there is condemnation in my mind, that is not the voice of God. It is the voice of the enemy. And so you need to tuck this verse in your heart so the next time you blow it and the enemy goes, see, God doesn't like you. You need to go, no, no, no. There, I may not have it all together yet, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because listen to me, if your hope of eternity and your hope of salvation is in your performance, you are messed up. It better be rooted in something deeper and that is in the work of Jesus on the cross. Are you with me? And does that mean, Pastor, this sounds like easy grace, like I can just live however I want, that I can just get by. No, in the light of how good he's been to you, this is the amazing thing about God is he gives you this free will to make choices. But also in a free will to choose wrong is the will to choose right. And it's the amazing thing, he wanted to have a family that would respond to his grace out of love wanting to serve, not out of fear having to serve. Fear isn't love. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So God didn't want a relationship like this if I went to Tammy when we were dating and said, Love me and marry me or I'll hunt you down for the rest of your life. And if out of fear, she said, okay, I'll marry you. Some of you view God that way. Love me and serve me or I'll punish you. No, that's not love. God said, no greater love has man than he laid down his life. So he sent Jesus knowing you had the will to reject him, but also knowing he gave you the will to accept him. That's love. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Number two, that you've got to know, so you don't have to pretend or perform, you've got to know this, is that I've been set free. Now watch this. We're going to dig in a little bit, okay? Are you all with me? Say amen. Okay. Because through Christ Jesus... I'm not condemned, why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. Now, let me pause right here for a second. It says, I've been, here's what I've been set free from. The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I want you to understand the law that Paul is talking about here in verse two is not the law as in the law of the Old Testament. If y'all, are y'all with me? And hang with me, I want you to understand this. The law, usually when the Bible talks about the law, it's talking about Old Testament law. 
It's talking about the rules and the regulations that were put out in the Old Testament for the nation of Israel. It's usually talking about laws and sacrificial system and the things they had to do to have right standing with God. If you're with me so far, say amen. This law is not that law. This law would better be translated that, um, that the, the principle of the spirit of life has set me free from the principle of sin and death. The idea here is this, is Paul is saying, because he's speaking to a Jewish people and he's speaking to a Roman people that he's writing this letter to. And he's saying, listen, there was an old principle at work. And that old principle was that if I do enough good, then my righteousness will be acceptable before God. But that, that old principle is, is being replaced with a new principle. And it is this principle that Jesus work on the cross for me is enough. And now the spirit of God gives me the power to live the life that God intended for me to live. And he says this for what the law was powerless to do. Now he is talking about the Old Testament law. There were over 400 rules and regulations you had to follow. And what God was trying to show the people is that you could never do it in your your own strength. And he says, this law was weakened by the sinful nature. Why? Because my nature will never follow over 400 rules and regulations. Are y'all following me? He said it was weakened by the sinful nature. So God sent Jesus in the likeness of sinful man to be an offering. So let me follow. Are are y'all with me? I'm so concerned you won't get this. I want you to. All right. So the, the Old Testament law worked like a mirror. Okay. A mirror can only show me what is happening. It can't change anything in me. So I can look at the mirror and see like the hair is graying. The mirror cannot make my hair get dark. Are are y'all getting this? The mirror can show me if there's a stain on my jeans. Thankfully there's not. It cannot clean my jeans. The mirror can only show me if I need to shave. It cannot shave me. Are you following me? It can only reveal to me. It's like a speed limit sign. The speed limit sign can only show you if you're breaking the law. It cannot keep you from breaking the law. Does that make sense? So I can't pick up this mirror if I need to shave and start shaving myself with it because that will not work. But that's what some people have done. This is called religious legalism is that we think if we take enough rules on and try to make the rules, then we can do it. And he said, no, 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 it was weakened by the sinful nature. So this is why God sent Jesus in to be a sin offering for us. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. Now now watch this, there's two thoughts on the meaning of this, is that yes, he paid the penalty for sin once for all, but also it can mean that he beat sin at its own game. I like that one a lot better. I like that my Jesus can beat sin at his own game. That he was tempted in all ways, yet he was without sin. That he walked the earth. He was given the opportunity to hate. He was given the opportunity to be prideful. He was given the opportunity to be angry. He was given the opportunity for lust. He was given the opportunity for sexual immorality. He was given the opportunity for greed. Yet in all those things, he had no sin. He beat sin at his own game so that he could be an offering for you and for me. Watch this, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled, he looked at the law and said, done. 
I fulfilled them all. I did it all. I covered them all. Every rule, every regulation, it's all fulfilled in me. And so now I don't have to go, I hope I'm good enough. I hope I can perform enough. I hope I can pretend enough. No, no, no. I go, Jesus, I place all my trust in what you did on the cross for me. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your peace. The requirement, what? watch this. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. So watch this. Jesus' work on the cross didn't, it's more than a nice little like charm around your neck. Are y'all seeing this? It's so much deeper. Oh my goodness. He didn't just free us from the penalty of sin, which is eternal separation from God. There is a real place called heaven. There is a real place called hell. He didn't just, he didn't just save us from the, the penalty of sin. Watch this. He removed the power of sin. So now no longer do you have to walk through life going, well, I guess this addiction owns me. No, it doesn't because I don't walk according to the sinful nature, but I walk according to the spirit. I don't have to live my life believing the, believing the words of the enemy. Well, I guess this lust just has me. I guess this pornography just has me. I guess this angry spirit just has me. I guess this bitterness just has me. No, no, no. It doesn't have to have you because he fulfilled the law and I don't live according to the sinful nature, but I live according to the spirit. So I've been set free. Not just the penalty, but the power of sin. Here's the tension. Is sometimes I feel like sin still has power over me because the principle can be true and you still be in process. But there should be, accompanied with salvation, should be a process of transformation. So I shouldn't just pray a prayer to receive Christ and there be no difference in my life. Is this, you shout on the, on the I'm free. <laughs> he fulfilled the law. But now I'm meddling in your everyday life. Let me say it this way. I shouldn't be able to say I'm a Christian but not look like one. I shouldn't be able to say I'm a Christian and not act like one. I shouldn't be able to say I'm a Christian and not talk like one. Are y'all following me? Love like one, give like one, serve like one. Are you following me? If I am, I'm just, I'm taking a label but I'm not, I'm not integrous to the label. I'm writing a check I can't cash. This is the message of Jesus all throughout scripture. I thought Jesus is just love. He is love, but his love should compel you to something. His love should compel you to serve, to live, to give, to be more like him. And so I don't have to pretend or perform because I've been set free. I have the spirit of God now on the inside of me, enabling me. Isn't it, isn't it what he said to the woman caught in the act of adultery? which always, it always baffles me a little bit. These men bring this women, 
One, they didn't bring the man. Where was he? He was doing his thing too. But they dragged the woman out and they said, she's caught in the act. Like which one of them walked in? I mean, think about it. Like, anyways, that's just my thought. Drag her out. He says, you without sin cast the first stone. And then he looks at her and he says, where are your accusers? And he says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We like the neither do I condemn you. But then he says, go adjust your lifestyle. Are you with me? And I've been set free from the penalty of sin. Thank God I have a home in heaven. I don't worry about it. It's secure. I don't think on the days I don't have it all together. I don't think about it. Go, I hope I'm going to heaven. No, no. I'm not going to heaven because anything Daniel's done. I'm doing it all because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. But not only am I free from the penalty of sin, but I'm getting freer from the power of sin in process. What used to cause me to trip up doesn't cause me to trip up anymore. Are y'all following me? I'm not saying that arrogantly. I'm saying I'm in process because I'm not living according to the sinful nature, but living according to the spirit. I've been set free. I haven't been set free so that I can sin more. One part in Romans, Paul goes, do we, do we just, because we get this grace, do we just sin all the more? Should sin abound because grace abounds? And he goes, no. He said, we should pursue to live a holy life. Are you with me? All right, number three. Is this helpful? I told you this is gonna be a great, great series. Number three is this, is I can govern my mind. I don't have to pretend or perform because I can govern my mind. Listen to this. It says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. So this is why we, we can pray a prayer and then we wonder why we're not seeing more change in our life. It's because what we're setting our minds on. We set our mind on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful nature is death. One translation said, on the things of the spirit. So what the spirit desired, the things, the attributes of the spirit, the mind of the sinful nature is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Man, don't we want more of that? And Paul tells us, this is how you get it. Have your mind controlled by the spirit. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. I want you to, I want you to see this. Uh, Paul says, those who have their think, mind on the spirit, on the things of the spirit, or what the spirit desires. Are you following me? Notice he didn't say they have their minds set on the spirit, on what the spirit desires. Uh, that's, a big, that's a big thing because uh, we, don't, we, don't just go, we don't sit around and go, think about the spirit. Like, what does that mean? Like, is that a mist? Is that the fog that comes out to help the light beams on Sundays work? Like, you know what I'm saying? No, he said things of the spirit. Why? Because if you'll set your mind on the things of the spirit, the attributes of the spirit, then you get the spirit. And where the presence of God is in your life, then you have fellowship with God and then you want more of what God wants. Are you following me? And so I can, so I have to control my thinking. I can set my mind on 
on impurities and I can set my mind on lust and I can set my mind on anger and I can set my mind on rage and I can set my mind on bitterness and I can let my mind run in all kinds of places that are, sin, that are, that are pleasing the sinful nature. Your sinful nature is going, yeah, keep thinking about that. Yeah, I hate them more. Yeah, just put a wedge more in that relationship. Yeah, be bitter more. Yeah, be, get, yeah, yeah, watch that again. Do that again. Say that again. Your sinful nature and you're feeding that, right? But the Bible says, because I have the spirit of God, I can govern my mind. In other words, I can put the government or the authority over my mind and go, no, no, I'm gonna think about peace and I'm gonna think about truth and I'm gonna think about justice and I'm gonna think about righteousness and I'm gonna think about God's house and I'm gonna think about the gospel and I'm gonna think about deliverance. And what happens when I get my mind set on what the spirit wants, then I get, I receive the spirit. Are you following me? And I have power now to do what? Set my mind on what the spirit, do, do you see it's a, I'm in process. This doesn't make sense. And so I don't have to come pretending. I don't have God to help you like me. God's not on the voice in his chair waiting to hit the button if you perform well enough. He's already accepted you. He's already shown his love for you in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. You don't have to pretend and you don't have to perform. You just receive and, and as you fellowship with the spirit. But you know what happens to most of us? It's the culture, it's life. I think it's autopilot, honestly. We spend most of our bandwidth on self. Self-gratification, self-glorification, our self-will. May not, it may not even be necessarily bad, but it can lead to sin. I can do this myself. I got it. No, God, I need you for everything. I'm completely dependent on you. So what does he say? How, how do I get out of pretending and performance? Then I govern my mind. I set my mind on things of the spirit. Is that a process? Absolutely. It's not like you snap a finger. It's like, oh, look. No, it's a process. Some days I'm, man, I, I set my mind on the sinful nature and what did it do? It robbed my life and it robbed my peace. That's what it does. Leads to death. Is he talking about physical death? Not necessarily. He's talking about it, it kills things in your life. Kills your joy. Kills your contentment. But now I'm going to set my mind. What? Here's the way, I'm, God, what do you want me to think about? What pleases you when I think about it? Are you with me? That's how I get out of this pretending and performance trap that we find ourselves in in the journey of faith. I can govern my mind. All right, last one, you ready? Number four is I have new power. I don't have to pretend or perform because I have new power, watch this. He says, you, however, talking about you, believers, you're, you're you're setting your mind on, on the spirit. However, you're not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you and anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit, watch this, of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body and through his spirit who lives in you. Now, I know we, we said a whole lot right there. 
Here, let me give you the cliff notes. I don't know what they are today. Cliff notes is what we had in college. I bought those before I bought the books. Come on, somebody. (laughs) When you said yes to Jesus, the seal of the Holy Spirit came into your life. Now, we believe that as you grow in your faith, there's another work of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you receive the Holy Spirit. It's your seal of salvation, right? So a supernatural force has entered your mortal body. That's the only way you live this Christian life because it's impossible on your own. You've gotta have a greater power. And he said, listen to this, this is encouraging. You may not even know you had this. This may be a tool in your belt you haven't even pulled out. He says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Son, you're telling me you can't find victory in that area of your life? I think it may be because you didn't know the same spirit that calls that stone to tremble and roll away and the same spirit that after being three days in the grave caused the body of Jesus for life to come back into it, for blood to begin to flow again. Here's what Paul is trying to tell us is that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but there's a supernatural thing. That's why it's my favorite part of the service. In just a moment, you who haven't accepted Christ, I'm gonna give you the opportunity at every campus and around the world online. It's my favorite part, why? Because I know the moment you say, Jesus, I give you my life, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead enters your mortal body and it allows your mortal body to have a supernatural experience and live a life that you can never live on your own. You don't have to pretend and you don't have to perform. Why? Because you've got a new power. You've got a new power, you just tap into it. How do I tap into that, Pastor? I'll give you a real simple prayer. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. I first learned that. I was in a meeting one time with Pastor Jim Cimbala. If you don't know who he is, he pastors the the world known really, Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in Brooklyn, New York, where music has won Grammys and, is that right, music Grammys? Yeah, they've won Grammys. I don't watch those shows. (laughs) I I don't watch shows where they tell each other how great they are. Here's an award, you're awesome. You got paid, you did your job. Anyways, it's just my, I'm sorry, that's too much like in my mental dialogue. Anyways. I was in a, a small meeting with pastors with him. And he started out and it started, so he said, let's pray. And he said, he was starting this meeting with pastors. He was gonna pour into us and training and on known, their church is known for the power of the prayer meetings they have. And I just remember it struck me, I don't know anything else. I just remember starting out going, Holy Spirit, help me today. I just thought, why have I never said that? I have access to a power. And so the next time that that you feel your blood boiling, govern your mind and go, Holy Spirit, help me. 
help me right now. The moment you feel like the enemy is condemning you, just Holy Spirit, help me. I'm not under condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. The next time you feel like sin has grip on your life, go, Holy Spirit, help me. Because I've been set free from the penalty, but I've been set free from the power. This thing will not dominate me all my life. Because listen, friend, you don't have to perform. You don't have to pretend. Because you've got a new power. Do you receive the word today? Is it helpful to you? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If you attend here regularly, you know we never end the service without giving anyone who might need to the opportunity to receive this good news. This is the good news that Jesus died for sinners and that his work on the cross gives us freedom gives us new life, gives us hope, gives us heaven one day, yeah, but it gives us so much today. We're no longer under the power and the penalty of sin, but we're free. And if today you need that freedom, if today you know in your heart you're far from God, maybe maybe you would even say, yeah, I'm a Christian because my mom was a Christian, my dad was, my grandparents were, but it's never been real for you then today's your day, this is your moment. So in just a second, we're gonna pray together as a church, we do every week out loud. And if that's you, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need a fresh start, I need a new beginning today. I need to know that not only it's heaven of my home, but I need to know today that I'm not condemned and I've been set free and I, I want all that in my life. And in just a moment, you, you join us in that prayer. But if that's you, I'm gonna count to three in just a second. When I do, you shoot your hand up high. Just saying, this is me. I, I believe you shooting your hand up is your act of faith saying, I need this today. So you shoot it up when I get to three, high enough, long enough for myself or your campus pastor to see. On three, this is your moment. One, two, three, you just shoot it up. God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, I see you. I see you in the back. God bless you. I see you over to my right. Amazing. You can put it down. Church, let's, let's pray this out loud together for the benefit of those who just slipped their hand up. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. Thank you, I'm not under condemnation. Thank you, I've been set free. Thank you, I can govern my mind. And thank you, I have new power. In Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, everybody say amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision. Fantastic. Hey, we hope today's message spoke to your situation and was helpful to your life. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the channel. We're posting new content every week. And also, if you'd like to partner with us financially, you can click the link below. You know, it's thanks to the generosity of people like you that we're able to meet the needs of people all over the world. So thank you for making a difference and helping deliver this message to the people that need it most. And thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you soon.